26, Matthew 26, and we are, uh, if you, whether you turn there or click there, if you are using the Bible in the pew, it's on page 832, and that's where we're going to be at primarily this morning. Like I mentioned, we've been, uh, in this, this last month, we've been doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, and that's coming to an end today after service, and um, this is always a really powerful time, and uh, time to come before the Lord, time to seek the Lord, um, to be encouraged, to read more in Scripture, to be encouraged and challenged by Scripture. And so just like last week, I'd love to know how God has worked in your life. Um, how, what have you been, how is, has something challenged you? Has something encouraged you? Has there been something specifically in Scripture that um, God's really used in your life? Have you seen answer to prayer? And so we'd like to just hear from a couple of people and so kind of open it up. We did this last week, and I was told that people on the, our, our live stream who are watching from home couldn't hear anyone, so I am going to pass the mic around today so that they could hear people, but um, don't let that deter you. That's what's going to happen if you don't share. So, um, so anybody that wants to start us off, um, how was this last three weeks? For you and the Lord, what was encouraging? What was challenging? Did you see any answer prayers? How has God worked in your life? Anything you'd like to share? Just how it's been an encouraging time for you. Excellent. Hi, everybody. I'm new. My name is Carly. Nice to meet you. Um, about a week or two ago, actually, this was two months ago, I dropped my phone on the concrete, and the day before, I was like, I need a case, and then it broke. Fast forward to two weeks ago. My phone completely dies. I'm like, great, time to take it to the Apple store, spend $200. And so um, I got a flip phone. And <laughs> um, I asked my friends, and I was like, why is all of your phone black and white? And they're like, well, it's because we're all addicted to color. And then um, somebody told me to read Genesis 3. I forgot which one, but it had something to do with knowledge. When you give man knowledge it leads to the potential to, for sin, right? And so like, as we hold all these phones in our hands with the knowledge of the world, I sort of kept that in mind and I'd noticed a trend for the past two weeks that all of my friends were taking a break from social media, as you said, in the beginning of mass. And so like, I, I don't know if you guys all felt connected with what I just said, but it felt to me like it was God telling me to like chill. <laughs> from social media and it was a time to step away from that and it was probably really encouragement thank you for sharing that that's great anyone else what was encouraging what was challenging how has God worked in your life this last couple weeks I'm Sarah Beth um, I entered the fasting season not quite sure what to expect or exactly what it was for, but I decided that I was going to enter it um, as an expression of lament to God about some things. And in the midst of the fast, he has um, restored my trust in his character, and he has given me new hope. And um, I had started the fast praying for joy in his presence because that's what he promises. I'm like, why don't I have that? Um, and he just showed me that doubt was at the core of that. And so once he removed the doubt, the joy came back. Thank you, 
Hi, my name is Nautica. I'm here with my friend Hannah, and here is how the Bible has affected me this week. I am in Truman College. I was a student, and I still am. I have always struggled with math, but <laughs> yeah, but here, yeah, but here has. But here's how the Lord has helped me in my troubles this week. I was in math class, and I just got finished going to my tutor. And a lot of times when something's hard for me, I have anxiety, so it'll build up. But one thing I always remember is to every obstacle fear, you should never, you know, let fear be your only hand in life. You always trust your confident hand. And as God has said in the Bible, when a door opens, it will be open to you. And just then, I went through that open door, and I said a prayer the night before. And when I said the, the, a prayer the night before, just then, the transitional specialist, she gave me an algebra book to keep because she said I saw a lot of potential in you. And just then, before I went to school, a man said, Jesus loves you. And that was like the, the greatest compliment and joy I've ever had. And that's how God has shaped me in life. He's given me the strength to believe in all trust and obstacles and respect for knowledge. And I feel that God is a creator. And that's where me being an artist comes from. It comes from the gift of him. Math is a challenge for everybody, but just like all challenges in life, God gives us the strength, and it's through him we have his love. That's what we hold on to. And I read a book once. It's called Be the One, and I once read, where do you go when the world hurts so much? And this one news reporter said, I had in my faith, but I use my love for God and creation, and that's what I hide in my love for knowledge and books to teach others. And our Lord, amen. amen. Thank you so much. That's great. And I know any, anybody that is discouraged by math is encouraged by your testimony. Very <laughs> One or two more. Anyone else just this time is going to raise Hi, guys. I'm Clarissa. I always got to put in a plug. We need hospitality people, so if you're interested, come see me. Um, <laughs> That was a prayer during this fast. No, um, besides that, though, uh, something that always happens to me is, like, we'll have a message, and then the pastor will be like, all right, guys, we don't have time to get to this, but, like, go read it later. And then I never go read it. So there was Exodus 17, and there was Numbers 20. It was from one of the messages he gave, talking about how the Israelites complain and grumble, right, when the Lord has been there, and they forget, right? So I went to Numbers 20, and I was reading through it, and I'm like, oh, man, this is such a good reminder and then I was using it on the app because I'm a mom, and it's hard to read when you're trying to do a thousand things. And so it kept reading, right? So I got actually to Numbers 22, where the Lord decided to pop me across the head. So um, if you guys have ever read it, go back and read it, Numbers 22. Um, it talks about Balaam's donkey. You guys may have remembered this story. So the God gave Balaam the authority and the go-ahead to go to this leader who wanted to curse the, the blessed people, even though um, 
He knew he was only going to do what God told him to do. But the, the thing that got me is the process of him on his donkey on the way there. So God gave him an answer, gave him the go-ahead. But during the journey, he got his donkey tried to get him off course because the donkey could see the Lord in front of him three times. The first time, Balaam got upset and beat the donkey because it's like, why is this donkey acting crazy? You know, we got to keep going straight. Then a second time, second time, donkey acts crazy again because he sees the Lord in front and Balaam doesn't, and he beats the donkey. So the third time, you know, he's already beat this donkey twice. The third time he's going, <laughs> the donkey acts crazy because this donkey sees the Lord and is trying to get out the way. And he beats the donkey a third time. And this time the donkey speaks to him and says, why are you beating me? And so um, that's when everything hits, like, the message in all of this. I'm trying to sum it up. This is a long chapter. Um, for me is, you know, there are prayers in my life that I have specifically asked for. And I know that the Lord has given me a go ahead on. One of them is becoming a mom. And. How, how often do we pray for something and then we get it and then we forget? We got to ask God for discernment in through that. So we have, you know, we're coming up on toddlers. Y'all will see my kids running all over this place. We're coming up on another toddler. And it's just a difficult season. And it's a season of asking a lot like, God, I feel like I'm failing all the time. Why can't I understand my kids, how they're communicating to me? Give me clear clarity on what they're asking, what they need. If they're really hurt and they're not trying to get candy or get out of going to school, Help me understand what they're saying. And ironically, this is the last week of the fast. Um, obviously, we ended today. But on Tuesday morning at 6, 10 a.m., my son was hysterically screaming in his room. And so I was getting ready to get them ready for school. And it turns out that he kept saying, Mom, I hurt myself, talking about his ear and, like, holding his ear. And I'm like, okay, we wear bonnets, right? So I'm thinking he, like, grabbed the, the um, there's a rubber band that tightens it and it flicked and hit his ear, right? This is what my brain is thinking at six in the morning. Anyway, I kept asking over five minutes. I said, look, I'm not going to blow up on him. I'm going to sit here and try to understand what he's saying to me. Let me not let all the tired and angriness right now, let me help him. And it turns out later we found out his eardrum busted. He's three years old. How can he tell me besides mom, I hurt myself, my ear. So, um, that was just one thing because I've been praying like, Lord, give me guidance with these kids. Help me love them. Help me nurture them to what you want them to be. Help me understand their communication. So um, that was all from the donkey. <laughs> Getting beat three times. That's how the Lord spoke to me. So hopefully if you guys have a prayer that the Lord has given you, don't just discount him. Continue to seek guidance through that answered prayer. Well, and I would say, let that be an encouragement to us. I appreciate what Clarissa is saying, is praying. We talked about this last week, not just praying all the time, asking for things, but asking God for his help and guidance in who we are. And he says, if you ask for wisdom, I will give you wisdom. If you, you know, These promises we have. And the people that we are, whether it's at work or a mom or dad or spouse or classmate or whatever that is, he's going to help guide us within that. And so the thing I really want to encourage everyone within as we think about this fast coming to a conclusion is what I said at the beginning. This, this can't just be three weeks. This has to be the reminder of how the rest of the year should go. Um, maybe you don't need to put that app back on your phone. Maybe you don't need to watch as much. 
Maybe you need to keep reading whatever you're currently reading at that schedule. Yeah, your diet might change back to some things, but maybe it doesn't change all the way back. Um, don't just let this end. Let it be a prelude for the rest of the year. You've seen, hopefully, and been encouraged by what seeking the Lord's face has been like. We're not supposed to just seek his face for three weeks. We're supposed to be seeking his face all the time. As individuals, as families, collectively as a church. And so I, I pray that, that this time has been an encouragement to you as we go into uh, the rest of this year. Amen? Um, so as we wrap up this uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're also wrapping up a series called um, Teach Us to Pray. And just adding our voice to the, that of Jesus' followers where they went up to him and said, Lord, literally, teach us to pray. They, asked that, they made that statement to him. And so we've been asking that. And we've used the word pray as a kind of a, a acrostic guide here for how we've been unpacking this. And so P was for pause, that we need to stop from busyness. We get, need to give ourselves permission to stop, to pause, to pull away from the craziness to be with the Lord, to connect with the Lord, whether it's as the day's going on or specific times. But um, we, we do have the power of choice, and we need to choose to pause and connect and seek out the Lord's face. That's what this last whole 21 days has been, is in many ways a pause for the rest of the year. Then we did our rejoice about being vocal and reverent toward our Lord and our God, acknowledging who he is and proclaiming who he is. The R was rejoice. And then A, last week, like I said, was ask, that we, we can ask God about help with every aspect of our life. And we talked about the need to do that. Again, not only asking about daily bread, even though we need to do that, but asking that God help me to honor your name, help me to seek your face, help me forgive me for my sins, help me to forgive others, and all those different things. One of the illustrations I used as we started off last week was the idea of us wandering Home Depot and never asking for help and getting to the point where if we just got in and asked for help right away, it would be so much easier. Well, I saw this yesterday. That, that illustration seemed to connect with quite a few people when I did that last week. I saw this yesterday, and I had to share this with you. This guy says, anytime I start a project, I go to Home Depot to ask all my really dumb questions. Then I go buy what I need at Lowe's so I can go into a hardware store <laughs> And actually appear like I and, and actually appear like I actually know what I'm doing. Um, so I thought that was hilarious. I had to share that with everybody based on the fact we just talked about that. Um, and so that was ask. And then today we're going to look at the why, specifically talking about yield, that I need to yield to God's leading and His will. Uh, two weeks before Christmas, my check engine light came on in my car. Um, great. I, I appreciate the sense of, oh, when I said that, uh, some of you, like, almost like saying you struggle in math. There's just different things we all resonate with. And $800 later, my check engine light went off. Two weeks later, my check engine light went back on. $400 later, my check engine light went off. And then I kid you not, a week later, my check engine light came on again. And it's like, come on. <laughs> and this is getting really discouraging. The idea of just driving my car into the lake is very appealing at this point. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bummed. And I remember just getting to a point where it was like, okay, Lord, I cannot put any more money in this car. What is going on? 
I mean, have you ever had that kind of a moment where it's just like, oh, come on. Anybody have, am I the only one? You know, if you own a car, you've probably had that moment. Or maybe you're still lost at Home Depot. Um, you find yourself in a situation where things are not going as you wish they would, and you have a very specific idea of how you wish they would go. You can connect with that, right? We find ourselves in a situation where things are not going as we wish they would, and we have a very specific idea of how they should be going. Again, might be your car. But I also think of some of the really intense moments that we've seen over the course of this last month, or maybe you've experienced yourself. Um, a couple weeks ago, we prayed for Sarah and Christian Cook, a couple that uh, used to come to our church and moved to Michigan last summer. Their little girl was born about three weeks ago, and she had a heart defect. And um, just praising God for the fact that I think it was earlier this week she had, open, uh, she had heart surgery, and everything went really well. They were able to fix the problem, but she still has been fighting and struggling. I mean, they're still in the midst of this. And so keep praying for Elena Cook and Sarah and Christian Cook, Ellie Cook. There's a situation where it is not going how we want it to go, and we have a very specific idea of what it should look like. Uh, some of you know I visited a friend of mine, Pete, earlier uh, this month, but it's the second week in, in January. And he's been battling cancer for over three years now. And uh, I went and saw him on a Wednesday. And previous three days before that, that weekend, he made the decision to go on hospice. And so I was the first person that had visited him really after this. And so spending a couple of days just talking and praying. And there's a situation that's not going as we wish it would go. And we have a very specific idea of the way we would like it to go. Obviously, there's a big difference between the spectrum of never-ending car trouble and some very serious, the most worst of health situations. But we all experience these moments. And yours might be even worse than one of the things I just mentioned. It might not be as bad as some of the car things. But we, regardless, we know this idea. We feel that reality. We struggle with these challenges. The idea of things are not going as I want them to go. And I have a re really clear idea how I think they should be. How do we pray in those moments? How do we seek the Lord's face in those situations? How do we pray in those moments when it's hard, when we're in the middle of a challenging trial or maybe even the most deepest of valleys? Well, today's passage that we're going to look at today is Jesus, uh, not long before his death, coming into a garden to pray. And through Jesus' prayers at that time, we're going to see how we can be praying in our times. Last week, we looked at what's called the Lord's Prayer. But that wasn't the only time Jesus prayed. And I would say that this prayer in the garden is a Lord's Prayer that he models for us that we need to be looking at and implementing into our own rhythms of seeking the Lord and how we can vulnerably trust in our God. And so the passage we're going to look at today is Matthew 26, verses 36 to 46. Like we've been doing the last few weeks, we're going to read this together, then I'll pray and we'll start talking about it. And so if you haven't been with us, the way we've been doing this is uh, the passage we're going to read is 26, excuse me, chapter 26. There's a lot of sixes in here. Uh, chapter 26, verses 36 to 46. So if somebody would like to start off with verse 36 and just read that one verse, read it loud so we can hear it. And uh, when you're allowed, the people on the, uh, online can hear as well. 
Somebody else will read verse 37, somebody else read 38, until we get to the end in verse 46. All right, so whoever likes to start us off in verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And talking with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass, unless I drink it, your order will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them, Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And this is the word of the Lord. Uh, let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your the, just knowing we're in your presence. We thank you for your immense love and care for us, God. We thank you for the, the mighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God that you are and that we, you have us in your hands. I pray that you would encourage our hearts this morning. I pray you would challenge our hearts this morning, that, Spirit, you would move in this place or wherever people are watching at home, that we would be encouraged by you. And you know exactly what we need to hear, so help us to hear those things, remove the distractions, God, we just praise you for everything. Speak to us now. In your name, amen. So Jesus is praying in an olive grove at the bottom of the Mount of Olives. He's in this garden that we refer to as the Garden of Gethsemane. And he has three different followers with him. Uh, three of his closest friends asking them to pray. And we see him pray in the garden. I have a picture of it here for you. Uh, we, have, we see him praying in the garden three different times. He goes and he prays and he comes back to find his friends sleeping. He talks to them for a minute. He goes and he prays again. He comes back and he finds them sleeping. And then again a third time. We see a persistent seeking of the Lord, a continual pleading with God with words, crying out about what he's dealing with. As we learn different aspects of prayer, Jesus models two really important truths to us within this story about genuine vulnerability and a complete yielding of will of will he is vulnerable and he trusts and that's what we really want to learn from this prayer as we think about our own prayer lives so the first thing we see in here is the permission the reality that we can be vulnerable before the lord when we come before the lord when we come and speak with him when we pray 
we can be vulnerable. We can be honest about difficult emotions, and we don't have to minimize or downplay them. And so being vulnerable. Verse 37, it said that Jesus began to be sorrowful and troubled. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. The idea of troubled here is actually being anxious. He started feeling anxiety about what he was experiencing. To say that Jesus is feeling sorrow and anxiety is to say he's feeling dread. Jesus is feeling dread about what he's about to face. It says in verse 38, Jesus said, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. There's a guy in the Old Testament named Jonah, and at one point he says to God that he was so angry to the point of he was going to die. And that's what Jesus is communicating here, but not his anger, but his emotions, his sadness, the dread that he's experiencing, that's a sorrow similar to Jonah, to a similar depth as that Jonah had. The picture is one of the deepest level of sorrow humanly possible. If there was a spectrum, if there was a bucket as far as how deep the human heart can go in sadness and dread and trouble, Jesus is scraping the bottom right now. And he is saying that, his, that I am so full of sorrow, it's killing me. And this image is really important. This picture that we have of Jesus is really important. We can't minimize what Jesus is communicating by just saying, oh, well, he's a little sad in the face of death. No, that's not the picture we have here. We have the image of a, of a, of a Jesus, of a Christ, who is saying, I am so troubled right now. This is killing me. Now, don't miss this. Don't miss this about the reality of who Jesus is and what this means for us. This says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That Jesus knew no sin, never sinned. Within every minute of his existence on earth, he never sinned. Which means that he who knew no sin, he never sinned, that he was perfect, that what that means is that in the garden he didn't sin. When he was saying, my heart is troubled to the point of death, he wasn't sinning. When he was saying, my soul is so angry, I'm feeling dread right now, I'm feeling anxiety right now, I don't, this is killing me right now, that reality was not sin. Because he went through those things and he knew no sin. So what does that mean for us? It's not sin when we go through those things. For you to feel sadness, for you to feel dread, for you to have that anxious reality is not sin. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, do we need to sometimes step back and ask myself, why am I feeling these things? Is it because I'm taking things into my own hand? Is it because I'm not trusting God? That's an honest question, and we do, we do have to deal with that. But what it's telling us is that the presence of these things is automatically not a sin. Because it wasn't in Jesus. And what Jesus is doing is he's bringing these realities before the Lord and saying, this is what I am experiencing this is what I'm going through. And it's a powerful invitation for us to bring our difficult and raw emotions to the Lord. We can come to him with anything that we are going through and communicate every aspect of it to him as vulnerable and raw as we can. 
And he's never going to say, you know what, you shouldn't really, okay, let's, no, no, no. He's going to listen. It is unhealthy and inaccurate. Here's the thing that I think we need to think, process and think about when we think about emotions in general. It is unhealthy and inaccurate, I would say, to label sadness, anxiety, and sorrow as negative emotions. We typically think of emotions that way, right? Negative emotions and positive emotions. But that is not true. Because the truth is, is that sadness, anxiety, and sorrow are just part of the natural human condition. There are certain situations that we find ourselves in that if somebody wasn't feeling sorrow, I would be concerned. If somebody wasn't a little worried about things, I would be concerned. What we do with those things is a different question, but the presence of those things is as natural to a humanity as laughter is. And so they're not negative emotions, they're difficult emotions. They're challenging emotions. Jesus is showing us how to deal with them. He's showing us how to lament, how to be real, to be vulnerable with the Lord. When we go through life's worst seasons, we must speak our pain. We must name our struggles. And to not do so would go against the biblical model. It would be telling God's invitation, no, I don't want to do that. We look at the Psalms. The Psalms are full of prayers like this. It says in Psalm 28, I pray to you, O Lord, my rock, do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. Listen to my prayer for mercy as I cry out to help for you, as I lift up my hands toward our, your holy sanctuary. And this, is the, this person laying it out as raw as it can be to a God who is not silent, who is present, and who speaks to our hearts. It says in Psalm 38, I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me, and my health is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. I am waiting for you, O Lord. You must answer for me, O Lord my God. I mean, when you hear these prayers in the Psalms, do you resonate with these? I mean, you might not this very moment, but there might have been a time previously that you had, and it isn't to be sadistic or like fatalistic or it's just reality. There will be a time in the future. Because life is never guaranteed just to be one joyous, happy, always good thing. There are going to be trials. There are going to be difficulties. There will be tragedy. That's part of being human. It's part of living these life. And there's going to be moments when we are going to be praying words just like this. And so we can't respond to life situations, difficulties, and tragedies in unhealthy ways. One healthy way is to just skip over it. To just skip over the pain, too often we just jump right past the pain, to jump past what's difficult, to just focus on the positive. And this actually can do more damage to a person compared to the healing and strengthening reality of allowing somebody to speak what they're feeling. Yes, we need to be thankful. Yes, we need to communicate gratitude. Yes, we need to think through how to move forward. But we can't deny what's happening. And many times when we deny what's happening or force somebody to deny what's happening, we actually do more damage to them than help. And so we can't skip over pain. It's also unhealthy to minimize struggles and difficulty by comparison. There's a lot of people hurting right now. So, hey, let's just toughen up and keep going. Well, I mean, it's not as bad as so-and-so. Seeing the difficulties and what somebody else is going through can be very helpful. 
because we can see how they're going through something or how they have gone through others. That's why being in community is helpful because we can be with people who have, gone, who are, have already gone through what we're going through. However, when a comparison is made that doesn't acknowledge what somebody is going through, that manipulates it into, into them into thinking, well, that's not really that bad because of this person, that is an unhealthy reality of what the person is experiencing. And it's an unhealthy thing for us to do ourselves, to rather than being honest about what we're going through, to minimize that by comparison or to completely skip over it, to just bury it and never deal with anything, that is not helping you. That is not helping your soul. If anything, it's just making it worse. Humans, we are not bottomless pits. You can cram stuff in and bury stuff down, and eventually it is going to come out. Here's the thing. When you are the instigator of it coming out, I'm going to verbalize this. I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to be honest and vulnerable about this. That's a healthy way of getting it out. If you just let things go, if you just let things be and keep bearing and keep bearing and keep bearing and keep bearing, it's eventually just going to burst out and that's when it's messy. Because the bursting out doesn't just get all over you, it also gets on your friends, your family, anybody else, and that's where the problems start. We have to speak the truth. Pain and sorrow and difficulty are meant to be felt, not buried, not disguised. They're meant to be articulated. And the Lord invites you to be vulnerable with him. The Lord is inviting you to be honest. He wants you to come raw and unedited. I remember one of my professors in college one time saying, if people could see my prayer journals, I would probably get fired, not only fired, but locked up and committed. (laughs) Because of how the way I'm talking, what I'm saying, and the reality of all of this. But she says, you know what? The only person that matters in those prayers is God, because he wants to hear them. And she said something to me that was um, the eye-opening, well, duh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, is that, you know what, God already knows. He already knows my thoughts. He already knows what I'm thinking. He already knows the words that are going on in my head. Why would I edit them to a nicer version? He already knows the reality of them, so I just let it out. And the reality is that that's what God wants us to do. He wants you to give it to him. He wants you to let it out. He wants it to be raw and unedited. He wants you to be vulnerable. And so what is the thing that you need to be vulnerable with the Lord about? He wants you to, maybe you're in the midst of the worst possible season. Maybe it's just a tad challenging. Maybe you're good. But wherever you're at, what do you need to bring with him right now? What, how would you describe it to him? What can you just articulate to him? And you know what? One of the best ways to do this, if this is like new to you or a struggle, one of the best things to do is just get alone for a little while, get some paper, and just start writing. Put dear God at the top. Keep the reality of your heart and mind focused that you are communicating to God and just start writing. And just keep writing. Okay, what else do I need to tell you? What else do I need to tell you? And just keep telling him. Go back and read what you wrote. Is there anything else? But lay that out to the Lord. He wants you to be vulnerable with him. And so Jesus models this. He models to us, be honorable. Excuse me, be vulnerable. Be honest about your difficult emotions. 
But then the second thing we see with Jesus here is his yielding. He yields. He trusts the wisdom of God. We need to yield. Trust the wisdom of God with your life. While Jesus is praying, he expresses two different things to the Father. First off, he says, My Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. And then second, yet not as I will, but as you will. Three times he prayed this to the Lord. Is this cross thing really the way it has to go down? Think about that. Talk about raw vulnerability and seeing the journal that no one else has seen. What is Jesus praying? Can we do this a different way? Is is this cross thing the way we got to go? Is there another way we could do this? Three times he comes and asks that of Jesus, of the Lord. And three times he also says, not my will, but yours. Not my will, but yours. I'm trusting your leading and I'm trusting your wisdom. And the first, he is asking the Father for another way. Can this pain go? He's asking that the pain would end, that the suffering would be avoided, that the cross would not happen. And remember, he knew no sin. So asking if it can go a different way, asking if it can go a specific way, was not a sin. But in the second, the son trusted and submitted to the will of the father. I really don't want to go this route, but I'm going to trust the route that you want to go. I'm going to trust the route that you take. And so his vulnerability, in vulnerability, he communicated to the Lord his feelings but he also trusted God's wisdom. You and I have to follow this model that Jesus is giving us and pray like this as well. It is okay to ask God to change things. It is okay to ask God to take us a different route. It is okay to ask God to remove suffering. It is okay to ask God, can it please happen like this? However, this has to be done with a spirit of total trust and submission. It is okay to ask God to go a different route as long as we're willing to trust the route that he takes us on. Last week, we started talking about this. We talked about the fact that we have to trust his wisdom, that he is a God of perfect wisdom. Job 12 again, to God belong wisdom and power, counsel and understanding are his. Romans 11, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. I gave last week John Piper's definition of wisdom. It was wisdom is knowing what the greatest goal is in any situation and what the best way is to achieve it. When we yield to God, when we trust God, we are saying we trust that he knows the greatest goal in this situation we're looking at and praying about and the best way to achieve it. And so when we pray to him, God, I really want it to be this way, but I'm going to trust the way you come up with is going to be better. I really hope it's this, but if it's a different way, I'm going to know and trust that the way you came up with is better than anything I could have hoped for. Typically, here's the thing. I've used this illustration before, but I can't come up with a better one, and I think it works. Typically, we bring our prayer requests to God like a coloring book. We come to God and we say, hey, God, this is how I would like this to go. 
And we come to him with prayers with a specific image, a specific idea drawn out. And so our idea of praying is, God, this is how it should happen. Can you color this in? Color in the lines of this page exactly the way that I have them drawn. And then we've all experienced more times than not that God doesn't color in our lines. And as our life starts occurring and as the situation starts going on, as the prayers start being going answered, it's like, whoa, 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 God, you're not, you're not answering this prayer right. And God says, yeah, I'm answering it best. And so that's the thing is, are we going to trust the artist with our lives and how he draws things and how he creates things and how he leads us? Or do we, are we demanding that things go the way we've come up with? When we come before God, when we pray, we, don't, we have to come to him with blank pages. We have to come with him with blank pages, articulating, God, please, this is how I would love for this to look. I would love, I, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm experiencing. Heal this. Provide this. Let the job offer come. Let the house offer be, be received. Let my kids do this. Let this happen. Please, God. But I'm trusting the artist. I'm trusting the artist. And if things go different, I'm going to trust that God knows what he's doing. I'm going to trust that God knows what he's doing. And realize this, yielding to him, trusting, what he, trusting that he knows what he's doing, means that we follow what he's doing. If we're saying, God, I'd like to, you to go this way, but I'm going to trust you, and God starts going another way, we got to go another way. Look at what Jesus says in verse 46. After coming to him, uh, coming to God three different times, saying, can we go a different direction? Can, we get, can this happen a different way? And the Lord is, no, this is what's happening. What does Jesus say in verse 46? Rise, let us be going. Rise. Let's get going. This is what God is, this is where we're going. Jesus asked for a different way, but God showed him the cross was the best way, the only way. So looking toward the cross, Jesus said, then let's get going. Does that mean that it doesn't mean that the difficulty ended? It doesn't mean that his emotions evaporated? It doesn't mean that grieving immediately stopped, but it meant moving forward along the path that God had laid out? And trusted him with trusting him within that path. And so, what are you bringing before the Lord? What is the thing that you're bringing before the Lord? And some of those things are really, really difficult. Some of those things are really, really hard. And getting the new path and getting the answer that you didn't expect sometimes makes it even harder. In the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the pain, don't bury that. Bring that to the Lord and know he cares for you. He loves you and he knows what he's doing. And so you, can, you don't have to give up. You can rise and get going and you can walk that path, whatever it looks like, and God has his best for you. The big thing I would suggest and the big thing within this is that we, did you see how when Jesus came and he prayed, he came before the Father but he also had some friends with him. And yeah, they kind of stunk at, you had one job, you know, and they fell asleep. 
But the reality is, is that we still need to have people surrounding us. And if Jesus, in the midst of going and wrestling with the Lord and seeking the Lord and being vulnerable like this, if he, needed, if he wanted to bring three people along with him, maybe you and I should bring some people along as well. And so that's why this shouldn't be seen as a checkbox. Being in community shouldn't be a, this thing I just feel like I got to do or mom would be proud or I have to do this to impress God. No, we need this. We need to be praying with one another. And you know what? There's going to be times when we sleep on the job. Well, then just kick your friend and say, come on, let's go. Because I need you right now. And that's what Jesus did. What are you bringing before him? What are, you, what are, you, are you bringing coloring book pages to God? Or blank pages to God? Again, there's nothing wrong with having a plan, but are we bringing blank pages and allowing him to fill them in? Will you trust that his will is best and better than anything you can come up with? Know that he cares for you, he loves you, and his answers are always loving and caring. You and I can trust him. The best way is to go his way. And so we have to yield to his leading. Trust the wisdom of God with your life. As you think about everything that's kind of in our hearts right now, through this, being, being vulnerable, our, our own guarded moments, yielding to the Lord, we're going to end this message by receiving communion. And so I'm going to ask our ushers if uh, they can begin passing it out. Um, we have, um, if you've never done communion with us, they're hanging on their mirror. And you might not be able to see that all the way in the back. So the pink one says this, Today I will live in the truth that a loving and powerful God is involved in the details of my life. And the yellow one, Demolish every thought that sets itself against God and take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. I remember walking in and seeing these things and just being, I mean, I took a picture of him, being floored by the reality of knowing what he's experiencing. I mean, again, the lowest of valleys, but still living within this conviction, still living within this reality that in the midst of exactly what, anything I'm going through in the worst of valleys, I know that God is here and present and involved with my life. And what an example that is, I mean, not only to me, but I think about his daughters coming in and seeing that. I think about the reality of just what that speaks. And his, this is the prayer. This is the mindset, the reminder that we need. That in all the details and everything we're going through, there is nothing that you are going through that that is not true. God, today, teach me to live in the truth that a loving and powerful God is revolved in the details of my life. My life. There is nothing going on in your life that a loving and powerful God is not involved in the details. He loves you. He cares for you. He is present. And so the idea of taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, when I start having thoughts that, well, man, God just really mustn't love me, that's not true. So I have to make that thought obedient. God, you know, I know that you love me. I just want to give up. No, you haven't made me to give up. You've made me to get up and keep going. And so I need to bring these thoughts to him, vulnerable and unedited, raw, but then trust him and move and follow, get up and rise up and go with him. Because in everything, he is with me. In everything, he is with me. And his hands are guiding, his hands are leading. He's tending to you. He cares for you. And so we have to trust him. This is what communion reminds us of, is that